Welcome to interlude number one. I'm going to begin by sharing some words I've prepared and then I will speak from the heart. The words chicken soup for the white boy's soul reach far into my personal past. Probably to the first time I ever picked up a chicken soup for the teenager's soul book. It was my first encounter with a non-fiction short story compilation and while I can't remember a single paragraph of it, I do remember the feeling it gave me. It was soothing. I felt nourished knowing I wasn't alone in certain struggles. Now I'm an artist. I act, I sing, I play several instruments, I write books of poetry now, and I've collaborated on more than a few paintings. My favorite way to learn things is through story. Chicken Soup for the White Boy's Soul was originally the title of my solo performance piece that was performed at the end of my senior year at VCU. Dr. T, the powerful woman who I interviewed in the first episode of this podcast, taught the class. It was 2016. You remember what that was like. I was the only white male in the classroom, and I couldn't run away if I tried from my own reflection in the time we were living. One of the core beliefs of the community created in the solo performance class was that our pieces would always be evolving. They were never finished because we still are not finished with ourselves. Now, most students' pieces included a discussion of race, as it can become a huge part of our identities and lived experiences. Nowhere was it required that we make our shows about some social justice cause or make it important. In fact, the opposite. It must be entirely about us. It must be entirely about the life we've lived thus far and our cycles of life, death, and transformation. So, what does that mean? if my life's story has the title, Chicken Soup for the White Boy's Soul. It's cheeky, and it's serious. It's soothing, but it's not everyone's taste. It's a journey I've already been on, and one I will continue until I breathe my last breath. It is a way of saying, this work will never end. It is saying, your life has become about unlearning, It is saying whiteness must be treated as a condition. It is saying the problem of whiteness does not begin and will not end with me. It is saying my life must be about what I can do. And that's all I have prepared for now in terms of the written form. I did have a poem that I think I'm going to read in just a second, Um, but... Welcome to interlude number one. This is an experiment in um, this podcast journey where I uh, will only be talking to myself, but also to, you know, the listeners. But again, this is this is a space for me to reflect upon myself and my journey so far, because um, I think there is value in hearing me talk to people in my life, but uh, if if no one's getting the behind-the-scenes look at um, the growth that I'm experiencing listening to these episodes and uh, editing them and uh, uh, choosing what order to release them in, if, if that's not also being transparent, um, then I think something's lost. So this is my attempt at uh, making up for... Um, any growth I may have not documented within myself and growth that I still need to look forward to. Um, t- 
today I'm a little frazzled. Um, I'm frustrated with a lot of things. I'm doing a lot of work. I'm on a lot of Zoom calls. Um, this is quarantine. It's rough as shit right now, but um, I'm getting through it and I still am showing up right now for myself and for this work that needs to be done um, on myself. And um, I hope you can enjoy this journey because I'm not so much enjoying it right now, but I'm here. All right. Um, so maybe this poem can help me find something to talk about um, or just a starting point. But I wrote this um, while I was on a Zoom call um, earlier today. So here it goes. Whiteness sneaking up on you, centering itself in your brilliant mind, shoving harmony to the left hemisphere, booting love to the back, bringing fear to the front, keeping right to the right side. Your humanity lies in between, on the line, in the middle, from the center of your being. Uncenter your whiteness. Uproot your tree of life that sucks its nutrients from the blood-soaked American soil. Propagate. Plant your feet in the oceans and rivers we cross to inhabit lands we cannot seem to take enough of. This time and place we live in, I may say, the universe, is more made up of space and water. We cling to land like it's the only home we'll ever know. What a shame to have your brilliant, brilliant mind colonized with delusions of white supremacy. So that's my poem that I wrote. It I don't think it, I don't think it's finished. Um, but that's an idea that I had earlier today on a Zoom call. Um, decolonize is a word that's been at the front of my brain um, recently. I've been um, tasked with uh, leading a talk on decolonizing our minds uh, with the nonprofit I work for, the Conciliation Project. You will hear me say those words over and over again uh, throughout the journey of this podcast. It has been one of the most uh, defining spaces for me to grow in this capacity um, surrounding my conversations with myself and others around race. So the Conciliation Project, um, uh, I hope you don't get tired of hearing those words. Um, and I've been tasked with leading a conversation on decolonization. And what I did, the first thing I did in my white mind was um, look up the definition. I went to merriamwebster.com and I said, okay, what, what does decolonize mean? And before, before the results even popped up, um, my brain said, why? Why do you need someone else to give you the definition of this word when you can pretty much figure it out for yourself. Um, and I just stopped for a minute to say, okay, um, perhaps the need to define words in these ways might be coming from uh, a, a way of thinking that I believe 
is rooted somewhere in like my white, the white part of myself that needs answers immediately and that needs um, satisfaction and really um, unsubstantial and like meaningless ways. Um, and to like, to even uh, pretend like words um, can be distilled into definitions. Like I, I understand that we need to be able to agree on how to use words together, but to say that, um, to point to a definition and say, well, you're misusing this word because this is what the definition is. It's, it's not, it's, um, it's not having a conversation. It's saying something different there. It's, it's, I don't know. Um, but I looked it up. I looked up the definition of Merriam-Webster that Merriam-Webster provided for decolonization. I don't have it in my notes right now, so I'm not going to bother into that. What I do remember, um, looking up the word colonization and decolonization, and I was a little unsatisfied with the answer. Um, it wasn't as rooted in, um, you know, the evil kind of connotations that we put colonization and decolonization in. I feel like there was... Um, the word, the definition took it out of the context in which it's currently being used. So it just had less power. And I, so, so what I did look up was the first use of the word. I tried to look up when Merriam-Webster adopted these words into the dictionary, but, um, that wasn't available. But what was available was the first known use of the words and the first known use of the word colonization was somewhere around, I think, 1620 um, or 1621, um, which I believe is a date that if you're an American, you should recognize. Um, it's very closely related to uh, 1619, um, which if you don't know about the 1619 project, um, the New York Times is um, has done a really wonderful job of like um, documenting slavery's existence from 1619 until present day through stories. Um, so, so the first use of colonize um, was in the 1620s. The first use of decolonize um, showed up in, I believe, 1860 or 53 one of those, I think it's 53, 1853. So over 200 years, or yeah, over 200 years later, we first encounter the, um, the challenge to the first word, which was colonize. And I think that also is an interesting point, which I don't care to explain to anyone, but I think um, language in general is an evolving uh, organism and it is an important tool with which we use to communicate with one another. Um, and I think uh, the Anglo-Saxon, the Anglo perspective um, would like to use language in a very specific way. Uh, that fits in with Merriam-Webster's uh, categorization and um, classification of words, where um, I'm certain there are other cultures, and I've experienced other cultures, that does not treat language with 
um, as the same tool, as the same, it, it, language has different uses depending on where you go. Um, so I think that's important. Um, that was something that I had to realize. Um, to get more specific about, you know, that's, that's an introduction into what's been on my mind lately. To get more specific into what I've learned from this podcast. Um, hopefully I'm not preaching. I haven't preached by this point. I don't want to, I'm not a preacher. Um, this podcast, again, began with a solo show. Um, I've rewritten that solo show at least three or four times, and but still have not performed it again. Could not find uh, whatever it was inside me and wherever it needed to go to actually perform it again. Um, but I did find uh, everything that was inside it to remain relevant, at least in my journey. And it's evolved into this little podcast that um, you've listened to thus far. Um, or it's your first time and welcome. You're getting a lot from me right now. Um, and I just think that um, it's rooted in a place within myself of um, needing to give a certain amount of love um, and needing to come from a place that is not fearful and uh, not rooted in the guilt and shame uh, which keep us, you know, uh, keep us from change and keep us from um, growth. Uh, one of Dr. T's uh, idioms is uh, guilt and shame are the bookends of oppression. And what do bookends do? Uh, they keep everything right where it's supposed to be. Um, and guilt and shame, I don't believe we can ever truly be rid of. They are part of our experience and can be used in, uh, in ways that um, benefit our survival. But uh, I think there are many places individually, me personally, absolutely, that I can rid myself of some guilt and shame. And this journey of recording conversations um, has really been instrumental in me unlearning um, certain guilt and shame that has kept me silent. Um, I think uh, to say something wrong is better, and, and to be confronted with that um, is much more uh, helpful and causes more growth to happen than to say something or to say nothing at all because you feel too guilty or too shameful to speak up or out. And, um, you know, there are a million ways that we can go about having conversation. And there are absolutely times when conversation isn't just isn't going to cut it. And conversation is not what's needed um, at every turn or for like, it's not the solution to every problem. Um, I am very interested with this project specifically in creating a solution to a personal problem. This is very much about me in um, giving me something that I need to move forward. So again, while I want to be very specific and clear about um, the overall narrative, um, I'm, I don't want whiteness or my uh, racial identity or any of those things to be centered in, you know, the 
the worldwide, the nationwide, the community-wide discussion around race. But I do think it is important to um, take control of my own narrative and my own life. Uh, whiteness needs to... Um, I need to center myself and this is my space. This is my way of doing that for me so that um, I can go and be of use elsewhere. Um, I don't profess to be solving anyone's problems with this. I don't profess to have um, certain answers or, you know, the solution to people's problems. But again, I think we personally, well, I, this is just an answer that I've found is I need to focus more on what I need. Um, and I need to make sure that those needs are met um, so that I can begin to um, give in other areas. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but um, yeah, that's that's um, where I'm at. Um, and right now there's a voice in my head telling me that I'm really stupid and that all of this is pointless and that um, I'm not getting through to anyone and this is all self-serving and I have that voice that's just, it's the guilt. It's the guilt and shame telling me, shut up, stop recording right now. Um, this isn't worthwhile and it's just you uh, taking up other people's time. And if I am taking up your time, please, please, just press stop. Um, but if if you are still here, if you haven't pressed stop yet, um, I hope at least, at the very least, you can say, um, oh, I feel less alone, or I feel less um, worried about whatever you're worried about, or like I feel... Um, less guilt and less shame like I I hope don't I, I still want this talking it out for me even though I'm being very self-deprecating and all this is still very nourishing to me I'm getting actively a lot out of it and um, yeah my hope is that by doing this publicly and awkwardly and um, you know poorly in some aspects, I, I hope it's giving someone else something, you know. Um, but I think it's time I go through some things that have happened in recording this podcast. Um, I began recording episodes in early June um, of 2020. Is the beginning of August 2020 so it's been about two months it's August 2nd um, and I started out recording I recorded two episodes with my lovely friend Chantel um, I recorded an episode with my mom which she had stated will never be released um, or upon her death I can release it um, uh, I recorded episodes with uh, like many friends, I think I recorded in all 10 episodes. Um, and I only plan on releasing uh, five episodes and two of them are, it's one of them might be a two part conversation um, for this first section. 
um, I needed a lot of practice um, and having conversations that felt um, worthy enough to be listened to. Um, and that's not to say that um, I wouldn't be uncomfortable sharing certain conversations um, if that is what someone might ask for like I'd be happy to do that but I think there were conversations between especially me and my mom and other friends where um, it was more beneficial for me to understand uh, where I was failing to um, to grow um, I was having conversations with I'll start out with the conversation with my mom because like I just need to get the whole our relationships with our parents are always full of um, full of it. I don't know what it is, but that energy and my conversation with my mom listening back, I realized how much I was conceding to her and how I wanted to um, create a conversation that was challenging both of us. And I was mostly challenging her um, and every challenge I had for her uh, was met with um, somewhat verbal, but also a lot of very nonverbal communication, which was I'm uncomfortable. And I think also me as her child did not want to make her too uncomfortable. I was still worried about creating comfort. Um, and the conversation, it was only 30 minutes. Uh, it, uh, just seemed to lack um, uh, any translated value. I, I feel like someone might listen to it and just say, well, I mean, I'm sure he learned something there, but I don't, um, it didn't seem, there were things that were directly communicated between her and myself that, um, again, I think, only us could really understand. I did share it with a few friends and they were similarly um, not as enthusiastic about that conversation. Um, I recorded a conversation with another great friend, Morgan Meadows. Um, her partner, Jay Cobian, is the second episode of this series. And I had recorded her episode before Jay's. And what I found with her was that we were too much in agreement. We um, it turned into a hype fest. We are that kind of for each other anyway. It's like, you're awesome. You're awesome. Like, uh, and we're both like-minded. We, um, we went to the same college. Like we're involved with a lot of the same groups and movements and things. And she and I, I just think it turned into something that I felt was too preachy and, um, became an episode that was, about you know how awesome we were doing and like how oh bummer like things really suck and there was no um active growth um which also brings me to uh my most recent episode with my childhood best friend olivia mullen um did you know olivia has been in my life longer than um any of my friends thus far um, like my very, very close friends. And she um, has always challenged me in the right ways. And while I think our conversation um, was kind of like the opener to a larger conversation that we have been having and have needed to have, um, she always comes to me with the right questions that I need to hear about myself. And um, listening back on that episode, I think I may have been trying to catch her in a few things. And like, I was 
I think I was worried about um, asking her the right questions um, because I know that we're so close and we have this relationship where we can really challenge each other's beliefs. Um, but after the episode, um, she's the only friend who sat and gave me detailed feedback about this episode, that episode, and how she felt about um, the image that was being uh, portrayed with this podcast and uh, the idea of the whole thing and what what were my intentions and what what do I want to do with this um and she really asked me those questions and expected me to answer at least in some way which is the closest thing to my my partner Trey um has also been equally vocal but this was the first person that I didn't necessarily expect, even though we're as close as we are, to challenge me in such a deep way about it. And, you know, we we had that conversation and there, I mean, there were just so many questions I can't, I don't want to get too specific, but I think what also came out of that conversation was her partner, um, who I may have on uh, the podcast at some point, I, I should, I will, I will speak that into existence. Um, he is another white male. And thus far, aside from Jay, who he identifies as white passing, but does come from uh, non-white um, or a less than, I, I can't speak for Jay, but um, I, I do not see him as white, is what I'll say. I've not had another white male on this podcast yet. And very much this podcast originated with me wanting to have conversations with a few white male friends that I was like, I think our conversations need to be had publicly. I think white men need to be shown that, you know, we can have conversations with other white men. And I think a lot of the concerns with that turn into who wants to listen to white men? Who wants to listen to white men talking? Um, guilt, 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 shame, shame, shame. And I shut up and I was like, okay, I'll interview everyone else first. And so I started having conversations with people and there's this, you know, um, you know, I've wanted to record a couple episodes with my partner who is also a white male and I've wanted to, um, record episodes with, um, literally three or four other white men, five that I'm thinking of in my head right now. I'm not going to name their names in case they do come up, but, um, or don't come up, but I've avoided talking to white men so far. And here is the first kind of step towards that, because again, I feel like I'm easing into this water um, artistically with the creating of this podcast, as well as emotionally, which I've done some work. It'll never be enough, but the work that I've done... Um, has led to the moment of me really con confronting the white men in my life. And that starts with me. Um, I'm a white man, although I will be transparent and say um, I am using he, him, and they, them pronouns at the moment. I'm a queer, white, um, I would consider gender non-conforming person, although I think my presentation of such um, does not warrant, um, I do not believe I deserve the title of non-gender conforming or non-binary because I have not lived 
uh, in that skin long enough, but it is an area that I am actively exploring through uh, dress and through, um, you know, sexual expression. But um, so that's important. Although the main identity that I have operated under for the majority of my life and for what I assume might be the rest of my life is that of a white male. And uh, it's hard to look in the mirror. It's hard to look in the face of that and like what you see. Um, I think it, it is inherently um, an easy identity to... It's a fragile identity and it's, um, it's rooted in so many historically terrible, um, evil uh, moments. And so I've avoided looking in that mirror, at least in this space. And Olivia called me out. She was like, I think you should talk to my partner. And I was like, okay, I, w I want to do that. I really do. Um, I don't trust that it would be good or I don't trust myself in that scenario. Um, and this is something that I've learned from being a white male. I don't trust white men. I don't trust a single one of them. Um, I clearly do because I'm, I'm literally engaged to a white male, but, and like, I have many friends who are white males, but I do not trust, um, white men to look at themselves in the ways that I'm asking them to or asking myself to because I have been one for so long. I know how difficult it is. I know how um, it goes against everything that you've been taught as a white male. If, if those two names are anything that you ascribe to, um, what I want is entirely antithetical to that existence. I, I don't want white men to exist anymore. I think that identity has become entirely too evil. I'm, I'm working on, I don't know if I'm trying to reclaim the identity of being a white boy or, um, or like manufacture a new one for myself and for the rest of us. But I think um, it's, it's, in, it's so difficult to Look at white guys. It's so difficult to um, empathize with that. And um, I don't think it should be easy. Um, I don't think this podcast should be easy. I don't think the conversation should be easy. Um, and I think they've been a little easy. Um, so I, I'll own up to that. And I, I uh, moving forward, am looking for opportunities to make discussions uh, more challenging. I think from these episodes I've learned um, so far um, to focus more on what is being learned and focus more on uh, the active learning that is happening in our lives and the active uh, participation and growth and our own growth and the culture and society's growth. Um, that is the kind of, uh, those, those words and those experiences are what I'm interested in, um, gaining from people and, uh, sharing with people. Um, so that's been 
my journey thus far kind of behind the scenes. I think I feel like I'm missing so much, but I've already been speaking for over half an hour at this point. So some I'm, I'm telling myself I need to wrap it up in a minute. Um, again, I don't know if it's the guilt and shame voice, but there is a voice saying you're going on a little too long. Um, this is an episode for transparency. I do intend to continue inserting these interludes um, of self monologue because ultimately this is uh, a space for self-reflection, even though I'm doing it through conversation with friends and family. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like this provides a context that I hope um, can only add to um, an understanding of the growth that is happening inside of me. Because again, this podcast means nothing if I'm not um, growing from it. And that is what uh, I'm here to do. So if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, I don't remember exactly what I say at the end of every podcast. I look forward to listening uh, and learning from you and with you. Um, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. If you've uh, been a listener to this and um, yeah, until next time. <laughs>